At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail, the ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here with our, oh, I don't know, I guess we'll say roster flux episode in the Big Ten. We're going to talk about the non-MSU team since Michigan State's roster is fairly well set at this point as far as we know. Obviously, the roster or the, I guess, the transfer portal deadline is May 11th, so all sorts of things can happen up until this point. But most people, I think, who have entered the portal have probably entered. Uh, that seems to be how it was last year, unless someone exits for some reason. Uh, a lot of people come back from the transfer wire. Before we get into that discussion, I just want to uh, drop a couple, couple of quick thanks to some new members in a Patreon uh, for monthly supporters in the Scott Skiles level. That's Mike Staff. And Connor Moore. So thanks a lot, guys. We appreciate it. And for all the others in the Scott Skiles level, Draymond Green and Mateen Cleese level, uh, you can check that out at the final force on the schedule.com slash support. You can find ways to support the show. If you like the content, if you find it worthwhile, you you know, enjoy it, you know, for like a dollar a week, you can join some of these levels, sometimes two bucks a week or whatever. Whatever works for you. If you'd rather just do one time gift, you certainly can do that as well. You can go to the same page and there are ways to connect through PayPal or Venmo, and we have a number of people who do that as well. Uh, finally, if you want to sponsor the show and feature your business, we've had great response from our advertisers. So if you want to try and do that, you're welcome, welcome to just contact me at eric at tffinots.com. And finally, uh, the last thing I'd ask is that if you have purchased a t-shirt with our logo on it and you got a picture of it somewhere, that's kind of cool. Send it to me. I'm more than happy to post on Instagram or maybe our website or something like that. Just kind of like to see everybody uh, wearing their shirts. So it'd be kind of cool. All right. So I guess let's get into this, Rod. We're just going to begin. Uh, for one thing, we're going to go to the dailyhoosier.com. It's a great website that they kept this up to date, which is not, this is not easy trying to keep track of all the teams, in the Big Ten and so yeah. all the comings and goings. So we'll begin with Indiana because, you know, it's the Indiana. Well, let, yeah, let's before we get into. All right. Yeah. Why don't we go to generally schools, of, of what's going on, I guess, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's it's <laughs> should be of no surprise. Um, there's going to be a lot of change <laughs> in Big Ten rosters yeah. next year, to put it mildly. But it, it, it should also be noted. And I can't remember where I saw this, but it was over the weekend. We're recording this on a Monday. It was sometime this weekend, I saw by conference the number of players entered in the portal. And maybe also not surprisingly, the Big Ten is toward the bottom end of that list, meaning it's got fewer players entering the portal than other leagues. And I believe it was the lowest amount among the Power Six, hmm. so Power Five plus Big East. Um, and again, that doesn't really surprise me for a couple reasons. You, you have to look 
and what are the motivations for guys opting to leave? Well, one of them is playing time, and that can happen anywhere. But another one, increasingly, is NIL opportunities or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. and, and the fact remains that big, and this is a generalization, it varies from school to school pretty dramatically, but bigger schools with bigger alumni bases are generally going to have more available in the way of resources. That's a general statement, but as a general proposition across the conference, I think it's true. And so you maybe don't have as many of those NIL motivated moves coming out of the big 10 as you do some other places. Uh, but all that said, there's still a lot of it. So you're still going to have teams looking dramatically different. And then a couple of added twists, you've got an old familiar one, which is obliterated now in terms of people's concerns by the transfer portal. But I'm talking about the NBA draft, right? You've got plenty of guys still in uh, under uh, who have declared for the NBA draft, maybe haven't given up their um, haven't given up their eligibility um, by signing with an agent and, and, or a certain type of agent, et cetera. But um, there are still a number of those which we'll talk about. And then there's a, a new one, kind of an interesting one we haven't seen happen in the Big Ten yet, but it's probably an inevitability that it will happen at some point, probably not this year, but at some point, which is guys who committed to a school and actually signed a national <laughs> letter of intent, um, getting out, asking out of the, uh, the, uh, Nash, the NI, uh, the NLI rather the national <laughs> letter of intent. It happened to Duke, uh, last week and it was related specifically to NIL in a sense. Um, Duke ended up having a couple of sophomores to be. So this past year's freshman class returned to school when it wasn't necessarily anticipated that they would have. Why are they returning to school? Well, combination of not liking their NBA prospects as much as they would like and the availability of money to get paid with to stay in sure. college. Yeah. And we've been talking about this for a while now that that's changed the dynamic. Well, they had their highest rated recruit opt out or ask out, and his, his wish was granted by Duke, would be a public relations disaster to not let a kid out. Yeah. Um, and so they, they gained some guys coming back, but on the other hand, they lost their most heralded recruit. Now, I'm sure that's a swap they'd still take, forced to make it, but I don't think anybody was anticipating this. I have to be honest. It did cross my mind. Might one of Michigan State's guys absolutely look at Tyson Walker or Malik Hall coming back and say, eh, I don't see a path to a lot of minutes right away. Maybe I should go somewhere else. That has not happened. I haven't heard any rumblings about it, so I don't mean to put a scare into anybody. I'm just saying that it, it occurred to me and because there have been a couple of these over the last week. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see at least a few more. Um, it just is the way of things now during what we're, we're calling euphemistically roster season, because yeah. that's what it is. Now the, we can, we can define it as a season because the, the uh, door to the portal closes on May 11th. 
So we're at, what are we, the 16th of April? So roughly about three weeks or so sure. yep. left. And, and when that date happens, then a large bit of this is over. You know who's, you know who's leaving. Now, I don't believe May 11th is a hard date for someone in the portal to commit by, but it means if you're going to go, you've got to get in by that. Sure. So you'll at least know who you've lost. You know, um, NBA decisions can come a little bit after that. I forget what the exact date is. Uh, we've, again, we've got a few guys in the Big Ten in that category. Uh, right now, Michigan State does not have anybody. It wouldn't shock me to see somebody do that. Um, most obviously Jaden Akins, but, you know, Tom Ezzo at his press conference last week uh, also mentioned A.J. Hogard and Tyson Walker. Now, I don't think in any of those cases you have a ton to worry about in terms of the likelihood of them opting to leave to turn professional. But um, it's all, you know, you never know. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, so that's a possibility. I also look is it's worth talking about what Izzo said um, at that press conference for a second, because he said, as far as he's aware, he believes he's got his team, Yeah, which all Michigan state fans would celebrate. It ain't over till it's over. And he also said that. <laughs> so don't assume that it's done. Right. Don't assume that there can't be movement, you know? Um, again, I've heard nothing on the high school front. I continue to hear stuff about the current roster guys that are returning and, you know, it cuts in it cuts in a couple different directions. So we won't know until May 11th comes by, at least in terms of the portal front, we won't know definitively. And I'm not saying that to put anybody on notice or say, oh, I think this guy or that guy is leaving. It's just to say. You can't assume yet that it's done. Sure. And by the way, that goes for every program in this league. It doesn't just go for Michigan State, but Michigan State in particular is maybe a little more vulnerable to that than other programs would be precisely because they've got so many guys who would have, I mean, basically every guy, all 12 that are currently slated to be on scholarship for Michigan State next year has a pretty good case to make for being in the rotation. Yep. Right. Sure. <laughs> and yeah. they're not going to play 12. They're just, they're not going to do it. I think, I think it's possible they could play 11, but if it's an 11 man playing group, you can be damn sure guys 10 and 11 probably aren't playing a lot. Izzo said it himself. He said, basically anybody after number six in your rotation could be unhappy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, that, and that's true. And, and so that tells you, you can't ever assume that you've got this dialed in again for right now. That's what they've got. We can hope that they get to the May 11th finish line and it remains intact. And I think there's reason to think that will be the case. But as I say, I continue to hear stuff and I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. So, you know, we will, we will see. Yeah, certainly with NIL, with name, image, image, and likeness, it totally changes the equation. As you mentioned, that Duke player returned. Oh yeah, uh, and and uh, it's been good for. I think it's good for college basketball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's what it's done. It's on the on the. Oh, and there's one more factor in this that we need to keep in mind, which is um, 
the portal year is still affected. The COVID year. I mean, COVID year. Yeah, Michigan's yeah. COVID year. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Michigan State for sure. Neither Tyson Walker nor Malik Call would be back, but for the COVID year. Right. So it's impacted Michigan State. It's impacted schools all around the country. So that plus the fact that it is now financially viable for guys to stay longer because of NIL means you have more talent. I, I, I had a post on this on Spartan Mag a little while back. There's two things happening at cross currents in the college game, and I'm not sure which way it ends up. I, I mean, I have my opinions as to what's more likely, and I think what the evidence showed this year, but that doesn't mean it'll be the same next year. Two things at cross currents, in my view. One is NIL makes it, and the COVID year, uh, at least for this year and then next year, that it'll finally be out of the system. But for the next two years, means we've got more individual talent in the college game than we've had for a while. Because more guys who can actually play at this level but maybe don't have the same horizons available to them professionally are staying in college because it makes financial sense to do so. I mean, Hunter Dickinson, who we'll talk about later in this thing, Hunter Dickinson has got a total of two more years he could play in college. I, at this point, I expect him to take advantage of both you think because so? right. I agree. He will never have a better a better financial situation than what he's got over the next two years. It won't happen. He will never make the same money as a uh, uh, Shibway at, at Kentucky, who um, I believe I got, it's hard to keep up, but I think he turned pro, but retained his eligibility, meaning he could come back. <laughs> I have seen, and I take these numbers with a grain of salt because so much no knows. in the way of NIL totals is, yeah, is, is off, off the charts wrong. And, you know, but, but word is supposedly I've seen that he made somewhere around 4 million last year at Kentucky, which seems crazy, except you have to remember it's Kentucky. Um, and if there's any school in the country that would do that, it's Kentucky. Yeah, uh, where, where that would happen, I should say, because the school's not doing it. Wink, wink. Right. Um, but uh, but anyway, a guy like that, he's never going to have a better salary opportunity in playing basketball than he has right now. Same with Dickinson. Same with a lot of these guys. So the motivations are clear to stay. I mean, in Duke's case, it was two sophomores to be Tyrese Proctor, their point guard and Filipowski, their their big man opted to come back. Filipowski in particular was seen as a guy with a good chance of going in the back end of the first round, but now he can look at it and say, well, Hey, I could make, and I don't know what he's going to make it Duke, but let's just say a mill, sure. which I don't think is insane given the circumstances. That's not a bad move, no, <laughs> you know, for sure. Not because um, you're, you're a G league player back into first round usually. Right. Or you're yeah, kind of in and out of the league. Right. It's hard to know. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and you have the potential to maybe move up, you know, and insurance policies exist to guard against injury. I mean, it doesn't do everything, but it, it certainly, you know, for, especially for guys of that, of that stature, you can get a good policy. So, um, we're seeing more talent than we used to see in the college game, but because of the portal and the huge roster shakeups year after year. Yeah, we talked about this a lot, right? The lack of continuity. Yeah. And we saw it happen in the Big Ten. I think it's one of the things that went wrong at Illinois. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think it was just lack of lack of continuity. They overturned their roster so severely that when push came to shove, they couldn't find any level of consistent play. And and so this is it's those two things kind of butting heads, it's more talent, but they're less familiar with each other. Which one wins out in terms of quality basketball, you know? Yeah, well, it, for sure, because you you're seeing now you, well, 20 percent more players playing, you know, available right because of the covid year. And so naturally, it's going to favor people who've been around longer uh, because they're going to have more experience. They're going to be better players than one two, than freshmen coming in. And on top, absolutely of, right. Yeah. Well, look, look, like just not, not to derail the point, but you saw it this year in the NCAA right? tournament. Absolutely. There were games. You had teams that were made up mostly of guys 23, 24, even 25 years old playing 18 year olds. Yeah. Physically, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, and I think too, what we'll see is my hunch is is that you're going to see the NIL money. I, I mean, it's gonna, it'll kind of work itself out as sort of how how it work it out, I guess. But it, I think in many ways, it's going to favor those who've been around a while. Like I think you know the the big NIL deals for incoming freshmen, which is, I think is what, and I think if people initially thought that's what it was going to be. It was going to be like you know, you, buy, you have a pile of cash you give to a new recruit to come in, and now people are recognizing. I think well, it's a from a value standpoint, you'd rather go with a known commodity, someone who's, you know, been successful yep. at a power five school, who's unhappy or wants a little bit more opportunity somewhere else. And they're going to command a higher amount. And you're really not going to have those opportunities outside of like the elite, you know, high school athletes. And so there's really not gonna be a lot of NIL money. I don't think for freshmen, for the most part, it's going to be people who've been experienced, or, who've proven themselves on the court. Or to, expand a little bit on what you said about current college players it's also there to retain guys absolutely so for example i will i will mention um and and i don't think i'm talking out of school here I'll, i'll try to keep the details vague enough um we talked about joey hauser how and that door is closed now that's my under that's everybody's understanding now but it was still open as of say 10 days ago. Sure. Um, very much so. And the reason it was open is there was a substantial NIL deal on the table for him. Now I, I will, without giving details, I will say it wasn't quite at the Oscar level. Um, but it was a lot, it was more money than I think is realistic for Joey to make as a first year professional, wherever he ends up. Mm -hmm. Now in his case, you know, and this will happen with some guys. Some guys just say, and he's got a master's degree. Yeah, so, okay, I'm, college. I'm, I'm done with school. Yeah. I just want to be, move on to the next phase of my life. And that might outweigh a shorter term gain financially, which is obviously a totally legitimate decision. It's the one I think he landed on for reasons that are easy to understand. He spent a lot of time in college at Marquette and then at Michigan State. I, I get it. But, um, for a lot of guys, Tyson Walker, Malik Hall, you better believe that NIL increases are involved. They're making more than they did last year. I, I'd bet the house on that. I don't know details, but I'd bet the house on. Oh, I I don't know any question. So it's not even it's not even just going out and getting a, somebody in the portal with NIL, although that's a factor for sure. It's also can you retain your guys? Can you get a guy to come back? You know, that's a big, big factor. I think your general point is probably correct. And I, and I also agree that people thought about it 
more from initially from the perspective of, well, you can use this to substitute for the bag men in recruiting high school talent, but they weren't thinking about, well, there's this whole new market in, in the portal <laughs> that's out there. That's proven to some degree proven talent. It's at least guys who have played in college before. Um, and that, that, schools programs boosters would look at it and say well that's that's a better bet and and so look i mean there you know there was a there was a kid and i'm forgetting his name the second kid who got out of his his letter of intent his loi um uh was at usc yeah and he pulled out shortly within a few days after um Boogie Ellis decided to return for a fifth year to USC, which was not seen as likely. I mean, even when Michigan state was facing them in the tournament, the word at that point was he was done, you know, and well, no, he's coming back. So we're, and the kid I'm talking about was a top 100 recruit. So the idea is very much, if you're a high school player and you're being recruited and you find a place that you like, you better jump on it. You better jump on it. And even then you don't know for sure what that roster situation is going to look like in the following spring. Yeah. You just don't know. So it's, and, and again, it's, it's the decisions that are being made by guys to come back or to transfer in. It's not all of it, but some of it certainly is money driven. And so it's even filtering down to the impact on high school players. Now, if you're USC, are you, are you going to make that swap? Are you going to say, well, I'd rather have this kid who hasn't done it over Boogie Ellis. Of course not. You're going to bring Boogie Ellis back and you're going to pay him. And that's where your resources are going to go, you know, is to retain guys who have already done it for you at Michigan state. I mean, thank God they didn't face that situation, but if it had been, you know, well, do we bring in one of these freshmen or, you know, do we, do we bring Tyson Walker back? It's not a hard decision because again, the old, the, and this isn't true at Michigan state, but it is true at a lot of other places, the old equations about, well, you build a program and you build, you're not just playing even for this year, but you're playing for the next year and two years down the road, you're developing guys that's out the window. Most of these programs now, even in some of the big 10, Illinois, I look at Illinois and to me, that's, that is now fully a year to year deal. Yep. It's an AAU team. It's, yeah. Journey, it yeah. Right. I mean, exactly. I was thinking journeyman sort of AA team for sure. Under, Underwood may wish it weren't so, but, but the way he's operating, that's what it is. Yeah. So how can you, even, you know, if you're, if you're faced with a choice, well, I got a guy who averaged 15 points a game last year for me. But if he comes back, I got to worry about losing this freshman unless it's Magic Johnson. <laughs> I, I think if, if that's the decision you're faced with, you're going to opt for the more experienced guy. You just are. The guy who's done it. So all of these things are swirling around and it makes, you know, look, we're doing this now to give people kind of a snapshot of where things stand today. And in the past, I had always done a spring projection of the next year in terms of standings and then we'd redo it in the fall but we're not going to even touch it <laughs> right now because you can't 
you can't know what these teams are going to look like. Not, not yet. I would like to think by, you know, the point we get to late May and, you know, the NBA decisions start to be finalized, you'll have a, a pretty good idea at that stage, but, you know, trying to do it now, come on. Yeah. No, I know this is, it's a fun exercise in just kind of looking where things are and what the teams are looking at. This Absolutely. Uh, and you know, the one thing that'll have to, will be borne out over time and, and this will take a number of years to sort of determine, but you can, you can, I think make a, you can have a theory and say, well, one of the reasons maybe the big 10 has least the least amount of transfers out or the, through the portal or additions is if you look at the, the alumni bases of big 10 schools, they are probably the, I mean, it's gotta be the biggest alumni bases in the country. I imagine for, for sure, schools, right. Giant for sure. public universities. And so if you have more alumni, you have more resources and money. And so it makes sense if yeah. a lot of this is used for retention, even more so than it is for acquisition. Right. I mean, it makes sense that you'd have less transfers out. Look at Michigan state Now, Michigan state. My understanding is, has a better developed NIL program than many schools. They were kind of early on it, but you have, if you pay attention at all to social media, you will see the guys on the football and basketball team periodically making, um, you know, posted tweets yeah, selling hot dogs or, or uh, I think primarily tweets for United Wholesale Mortgage, Matt Ishbia's mm-hmm. company, right? Yep. Well, those guys are all getting, I think it's $500 a month. Now that's not going to buy you a new house but it's a baseline. It's part of a foundation that's established. And it's, it's look, it's a lot of money when you factor it over. Um, it's a lot of pizza money, entire pizza football. Beer money. Six, five hundred. Well, month. but yeah. it's a lot of money for United mortgages by oh, yeah, yeah. my right. point. When you factor in an entire football roster and basketball roster. And I think they may do it with other athletes too. I can't, I can't remember where they have any involvement with the women's teams. They may, but definitely those two sports but it's every month, you know, 85 guys on scholarship on the football team. Right. Yeah. So that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when you add it up or month after month after month, but that's just a baseline. You then have all these other things that factor in for these guys. And, and those opportunities come in large part, as you say, because a school, the size of Michigan state is just going to have more of those opportunities available. Um, and that's true for a lot of big 10 schools, I would think. And again, they, my understanding is they, they all kind of sit in different places in terms of how far along they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, the big 10 is going to be better off. Now there's another interesting component to this that we should talk about for a second before we turn to these individual teams and that's, and, and it applies for big 10 schools, in my opinion, at some places already you are seeing a collision between the athletic, the, the people who form these collectives, these NIL collectives, which is basically a euphemism for a bunch of boosters pooling their resources. That's what they are. Um, And some schools, by the way, Texas, just recently, they had multiple collectives that finally just got brought under one umbrella organization, but they had like three different collectives operating that were unrelated to each other. Mm -hmm. So you imagine what that's doing, but there's, there's a collision happening in some places and it will continue, or there will be more of it between those people and the people who actually run the universities, the academics, the administrations, 
there's a good case in point happening right now at Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. And the irony of this is just <laughs> dripping for me. So Syracuse has a guy, and I'm forgetting his name, but they have a primary booster who all year long was bringing in celebrities to Syracuse games and sitting them courtside and, you know, talking about how they were going to be back in a national championship game within five years because of how much NIL money he was going to spend. And then just about a week, 10 days ago, he announced that he's out. (laughs) He's not doing any of it. And the reason he's not doing any of it is it's been made clear to him that the chancellor, which is Syracuse's system, it's equivalent to the president at MSU, uh, of the university has made it clear that he doesn't like this, doesn't want it attached to Syracuse. So this guy just said, okay, I'm out. Well, they just lost a guy, Jesse Edwards, who was a two-year starter, um, double-digit rebounder, shot blocker, good big man, you know, typical Syracuse big man, just transferred to West Virginia. And he said that one of the main drivers, I mean, he danced around it, but it was clear one of the main drivers was lack of NIL opportunities at Syracuse. So if that continues, what's going to happen to Syracuse's program? They're going to crater. That's what will happen. Mm -hmm. But you've got the potential for this kind of conflict. I would say, particularly in the big 10, as opposed to say the sec, the big 12. And the reason I say that is the big 10 is comprised of schools where academics matter a lot (laughs) and and the people who run these universities care now they're most of them are also very well aware of how significant athletics are to the overall culture the financial aspects of the university all of those things it's not it's not that you can completely divorce them but if push comes to shove at these places if you get a, a president at a big 10 university who decides they're uncomfortable with how NIL is working at their school. Those are the kind of universities that will say this stops and it will stop. Mm -hmm. So I think that's unclear to me as to how all of that is going to um, roll out over time. And in part of it, or in part, I think it will be dependent upon how the people involved on the money side of NIL programs act. The smart moves are to make sure that you're in alignment with the people who run your university. And I think that's, I think that's more likely to happen at big 10 schools than it is say the sec Mm -hmm. or, you know, I guess Texas counts as the sec now since they're going in, but you know, a place like Texas, I can see ample opportunity for conflict because you have this unique mix of a very highly regarded academic institution where presumably the people that run that care about it and they care about the way they're perceived. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be seen as the wild West, but then you've got big money athletic boosters who don't care, who will spend whatever it takes to make those programs competitive in terms of winning championships. And I don't just mean conference championships. I can see the chances for collisions being very high at places like that. And, and you could, you could imagine it at a big 10 school too, but I think it's maybe a little less likely in the big 10, just because I think, I think that alignment is already in better shape than it is at some of these other places, you know, like boosters are going to, most boosters are going to color between the lines 
at Big Ten schools at this stage of the game. I, I think I, I may be proved, I may be made to look very foolish with <laughs> by saying that in time, but I think that's a true statement generally. That would be my my feeling. But all this stuff is just it's it's a crazy time. And I think you know when you look at something like Michigan State, who's in starting a presidential search, that's absolutely going to be one of the questions you have. And oh yeah, up, and and I uh, you know <laughs> good for, point. For, Very good point. for a board that's publicly elected, like the you know University of Michigan and Michigan State. You can see conflict happening there too. From you have different, uh, you yep. have someone who maybe doesn't value certain things, and and they can cause a monkey. We've seen that with the with the board and the athletic departments and coaches all right, Nick Saban and on. I mean, yep. so this there are all kinds of moving parts, and so we you know it'll be it's very interesting, and like the old Chinese legend says, may you never live in interesting times. <laughs> so cause I think that's where we're right now. Well, let's go into some specifics here in just a moment. Let's first just mention uh, if you, it is, well, I was going to say it was spring. It actually, two days ago, I was walking on the golf course, following my son at a golf <laughs> tournament, and I was searching for shade because it was so hot. And now I'm looking at my window and I'm seeing snow come down. So it's coming back. It's temporary. Yeah, I, well, I know. It's still spring. <laughs> <laughs> we, we usually have that one false spring or false, like in March, mm-hmm. you know, where we get a couple this nice days. We never had it yeah. this March. It was kind of weird, just like, uniquely cold march throughout well i think i think today was false i think today was false winter. this is our third winter i can't <laughs> mm-hmm. uh so anyway it but it is rains out there you've had plenty of rain uh the brothers adjust to gutters they specialize only in gutters on the west side of the state make sure you get a hold of kurt stauffer mention final four to get 10 percent off they repair them they clean them out they can replace them they do a fantastic work fully insured highly rated and very efficient uh, Grand Rapids area, Holland, Muskegon, Saugatuck, Rockford, Lowell. If you're around that area, get a hold of Kurt and he can help take, take care of your gutters and make sure your house stays nice and dry. That's K-U-R-T dot S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R at brothersgutters.com. You can find the link below in the podcast description. All right, so let's just go through the teams. Uh, we're going to begin with Indiana. And again, this is all from the dailyhoosier.com. So departures, Logan Duncombe transferred to Xavier Tamar Bates transferred Missouri. Uh, Jordan Geronimo is in the portal. He is not declared anywhere. Trace Jackson Davis is heading to the NBA. Jalen Huichifito, NBA. Reese Thompson and Miller Cop both graduated. They have a couple incoming uh, freshmen, uh, and they have Peyton Sparks, who's transferring in from Ball State, and Khalil Ware from Oregon. Uh, and just the two two transfers, or I'm sorry, the two uh, freshmen coming in. So I mean, huge changes with Indiana, which we had to yeah. anyway. Even that was bef- even before the uh, the transfers that I think were a little surprised. Maybe Tamar Bates is a little bit surprising in Geronimo, but I guess they, maybe they looked at who's coming in. I, but I guess I wouldn't even speculate because <laughs> we don't know enough about these teams really to often know what's going on. I don't think in those cases you can say, well, they. Were, I mean, who knows what was going on behind the scenes? Right, exactly. But at least at least on the surface, you know, Tamar Bates would have a starting spot there for him right waiting geronimo certainly would have had a chance to compete for a starting role so it wasn't all oh, these guys are buried and they're, they're just never going to see playing time um at least that's not obvious on the surface so yeah those were but this is how it is i mean this is what we were talking yeah. about for the last several minutes is that in the current environment man you, you just don't like something about where you're at you hit the highway and, you know, Mike Woodson hasn't been there long enough 
to really establish a culture, you know, say what you want about Tom Izzo, but um, I think we can all agree, even if you don't love it, he's got, he's got a philosophy that prioritizes loyalty, which goes both ways Mm -hmm. and development and opportunity and those things. And so by and large, he has not as of yet, lost guys the way some other programs have Mike Woodson hasn't been there long enough to really you know bring that into focus and make it a big part of his program so consequently they're losing a lot of these guys you know Logan Duncan Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo um the first two of those guys at least were Mike Woodson recruits Geronimo I believe was an Arch Miller recruit um but those are guys that he brought in yeah and it doesn't matter um you know, Trace Jackson Davis going in the NBA, not a surprise. Huchifino going into the NBA, not a surprise. But but essentially what you're looking at is what? Um, I guess Jackson Davis, Huchifino, Race Thompson, Miller Cop. Uh, that's, that's almost their entire starting lineup. Starters. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now they they do have guys coming back. You know, Xavier Johnson is coming back supposedly um for another year. Uh Galloway is back. So they've got some experience in the backcourt. Um, the two guys that they've landed thus far in the portal, Kalel Ware, MSU fans may remember, actually put 17 on MSU in uh, the Phil Knight yeah. uh, tournament in, in Oregon. But that was one of his best games of the year. He was a McDonald's All-American who did not have a great season at Oregon. Um, he averaged single-digit points, was not a great rebounder. He's got talent. He's a seven-footer athletically gifted he's actually when you read about him um his profile reads somewhat similarly to xavier bookers in a (laughs) lot of ways so if you understand the criticisms of xavier booker and the strengths um you got a pretty good idea of what kalal wears deal is so the question is can mike woodson get that motor revved up and and all of that and then peyton sparks who was a a productive post player at, at the Mac level at ball state. So he'll help. They've added a couple of guards to Kai Newton is a combo guard from Georgia and Gabe cups is uh, he's from Ohio, but he looks the part of an Indiana guard kind of in that Tom Coverdale, uh, you know, um, on and on and on white, white guards at Indiana mold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I use continuing to recruit guys. They're in on a kid named Chris Ledlam as many other schools are, who was a very good player for Harvard, who's a uh, forward. Um, There's a guy, Dalton Necht, uh, a wing from Northern Colorado, who's proven to be very popular in the portal. But I think think there's a feeling that they probably won't land him. And then they're still in on a bunch of other guys. I won't even begin to speculate what their odds are, but they need to land more players. You know, and if you you look at the high-end talent that's gone here, just losing Jackson Davis and Hood Chafino alone is huge. Oh, for sure. I mean, those are your two best players, right? And Race Thompson was a multi-year starter. Miller Cop, whatever his flaws were, was a multi-year starter mm-hmm. for you. That's a lot of guys. Now, they do have Malik Renault coming back inside as well. That'll help. With him, Ware, and Sparks, I think you feel reasonably good about your post-player group, at least in terms of potential. 
Um, nobody is proven yet to be a great player out of that group, but there's potential there. And then, as I said, you have Xavier Johnson healthy again, you have Trey Galloway, um, you know, there's some, there's some talent in the backcourt and then the two freshmen, but they still, to me, they're, they're a long way from finished. And I would expect that they're not done in the portal. I just can't tell you who else they're going to add. It would seem to me on the surface you know, when you lose Bates, you lose cop and you lose hood Shafino, that's a lot of shooting that's out the window. Yeah. Um, so they would need to add some more shooting, but it's going to be a very different team. And it's at this point, it's hard to say that you would expect them to be improved, but can they still be a tournament caliber team? Depends how they fill the roster sure. out. Yeah. I mean, you lose Trace Jackson Davis. It's hard to imagine you could be improved as a team. I mean, and just in general, uh, right? Yeah. exactly. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's go on to uh, Illinois. The, <laughs> uh, you know, in some ways, you know, you look at, you look at what Underwood is doing and I think. I think there's definitely an allure to, to these transfer players and I th- in the portal and, and you sort of can build quick. And I think, you know, he lost a lot of players just with, I think, regular graduation. And I thought there was a, I'm sure there's a temptation to just kind of build a lot, but you know, you have to make sure you have, you keep the people you have there happy, et cetera, et cetera. And I think now you're almost in this spot where you're kind of getting big turnover. I mean, so he's got returning Dane Danger, uh, who, they got from Baylor last year, uh, Ty Rogers, sincere Harris, Luke Goody and Nicolo Moretti. They added Marcus Demansk from Southern Illinois. Who's a really good player. He was, a, he was a really excellent player for in, in the, uh, Missouri Valley, Justin Harmon from Utah Valley, Imani Hansberry, Dre Gibbs, Law, uh, Lawhorn, but they've lost Matthew Meyer, Sky Clark, Jaden Epps, RJ Melendez, Brandon Lieb, Coleman Hawkins. Although he's just announced for the draft. You could imagine him coming back. And then Terrence Shannon, uh, it's going to be, I guess, not quite as big a change as it was last year for Illinois, but it's still going to be a pretty yeah. different team. Entire, yeah. I mean, and that's boy, their, their turnover last year. You can't, you don't want to use that as a standard. Um, yeah, it's interesting where they're at. So, in danger, you've got that tradition, you know, that that thing that's been both a strength and a weakness. I think in the big 10 in recent years, you've got that traditional post. I mean, danger. We saw it when Michigan state yeah. played them in Champaign. He could be a load on the blocks. You know, he's a talented kid as a low post player. He remind, but he reminds me a lot of Nick Ward 
in his physical, you know, the, the way he looks, um, you know, physically, how big he is. Um, his game reminds me of Nick a little bit, both in strength and weaknesses. He can't really extend out on the floor. And that when you got to play drop coverage, when that's dictated to you, that's not a great place to be. I'm not writing off that he could improve defensively um, and offensively. He gives them an, a major option, you know, so it's not nothing, but that's you'd like more versatility there if you could get it. Um, the other guys coming back, I love Ty Rogers and he's the kind of guy that if he's in the right situation can help you win because he does a lot of the dirty work, yes. very good defensive player. He rebounds, he's tough, has a great motor. He's just not a very skilled shooter. Doesn't have those, that those ball skills. So he can be really important on a team. That's got a lot of that. If they, you don't have a lot of that, it's, it's hard to say how that would, how that will pan out overall. Uh, sincere Harris, you know, played a lot last year for them. Um, good, decent sized guard. who has got some potential, but a long way to go in terms of developing Luke Goody, I thought was really good as a freshman last year. Was, he was hurt. And I don't think he ever firmly got back on yeah, track. But know one thing we know he, we know he does is he shoots, mm-hmm. you know, so they got those four guys coming back. You maybe have Hawkins, probably have Hawkins. I would think he comes back, back too. Yeah. Is really important because Coleman Hawkins, you know, 6'10, but he's versatile. Like he can, you can run some offense through him at times. Point. He's shown an ability to shoot. Um, needs to get, I think, um, needs to find a greater level of consistency for sure. But if he comes back, that would be a big, big returning option. They also have the Moretti kid who's from Italy came over last year, but didn't actually play. He just practiced with him. He's a point guard. And I suspect look right now, he'd probably either here sincere Harris would be the starting point. You guard. think so? Yeah. Uh, now I, I think they're going to stay active in the portal. You mentioned what they did in the portal. Um, Damask, the, the kid from Southern Illinois, is an interesting addition because, you know, good, not great shooter, 35% mm-hmm. from three. But but here's the thing. He's versatile. Yes. He can do a lot of things. And I think that that's what they determined they didn't have enough of. They didn't have enough guys. You know, this was a horrible shooting team absolutely miserable. I mean, jump shots. Um, he's not a great shooter, but he's good enough. And he, and he adds, you know, he averaged what, like three assists per game. I think so I'm sorry, just shy of four, um, it's almost six rebounds. Now that's in the Missouri Valley. So, you know, uh, you take that with a grain of salt, but, um, it still means you're adding a guy who can potentially give you the kind of production that you didn't have enough of last year. And he's got good size at six, six. So there's positional versatility um, that's in play. You know, that reminds me at least on the surface, I would think that they could maybe get some similar things out of him that um, Nebraska got out of Sam Greasel, right? Yep. So some similarities there. Um, then you look at, at uh, Justin Harmon, who is a Chicago kid who went out and um, 
had played at Utah Valley last year and has decided to come back. Um, six foot four. I'm sorry, he played four years. He started in community college and then he played at Utah Valley. Um, but he really, you know, th- this is a guy who um, can shoot a little bit. Again, not a great shooter, but 34% from three last year. He scored for them. I think, again, you're talking about um, adding some size at 6'4 and some athleticism uh, to the roster on the wing. So those are two guys that they're going to Domask and Harmon. They're going to ask a lot of and should help them rebuild this backcourt, which just frankly never got on track last year. Yeah. They're not good. Uh, they also also have a couple freshmen, Amani Hansberry, who's a six, eight kind of traditional forward top 100 recruit. So he could contribute right away. And then Dre Gibbs Lawhorn was, I believe he was originally a commitment to Purdue. And then he's a combo guard type. Uh, but outside the top 100, I'm not sure if they expect huge contributions from him immediately. So, so here's my bottom line on Illinois. I think it's going to be a very different team. And the fact that they've at least got a few more guys coming back, if Hawkins comes back, that's um, what that's five guys who were actually in the rotation at some point last year that are back. And then Moretti, who at least practiced with the team, that's a much better position than they were in last year. Now, they don't have the pure talent that Terrence Shannon provided, um, but could this be a better team? Yeah. I mean, they, they were, again, you look at that team, and to me it was obvious from watching them, there was just not the kind of chemistry you need yeah. or familiarity to really compete at the highest level. Sometimes talent won out. They were able to win games, but not consistently enough. And so it might be that they're a little less quote unquote talented, but they're a a team that fits together a little bit better, you know? So I'm not ready to write, um, to write off Illinois as maybe actually even being a little bit improved. We'll have to see how they finish that roster out. And again, the Hawkins decision is a big one. Sure. All right. Well, let's move on to my wife's beloved Iowa Hawkeyes. So they are returning Tony Perkins, Peyton Sanford, Patrick McCaffrey, DeSante Bowen, Josh Dix, Riley Mulvey, and Carter Kingsbury. Uh, they added Ben Cricky, who came from Valpo, uh, Price Sanford, who's obviously Peyton Sanford's younger brother. He's a top 80 recruit and supposedly a really good, even better shooter than his brother. Um, and then a couple other uh, recruits. They're losing Connor McCaffrey to graduation, as well as Philip uh, Rabracha. Aaron Eulis transferred out, and Josh Ugundele, who was rarely played he's also transferred out and then chris murray has announced for the nba draft i suspect murray won't return even because uh, i think yeah. he's because i think is he still is he projected still first round i think yeah i think i thought he already decided yeah well he said he was going out. to draft yeah but people can still always change their mind you know even if they say right just like well no it just depends if I you mean, sign they, the actual they, agent or something yeah, okay. they make that decision, and I believe he did. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I could be. No, that's what his, that's what his Instagram certain, said. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's done. Um, you know, interesting team here. Uh, some of that perimeter talent you feel okay with. Um, you know, although use, losing Ulysses, I don't know. Maybe you've heard more than I do. Do you have any insight as to why Ulysses opted to leave? I mean, he was a starter. He was, uh, I, I don't know any story of why that my wife doesn't know. I, okay. I, 
I don't. I, I guess I, I have. I hesitate to, to. I feel like he was. He looked good against Michigan State, but he didn't often look that good. <laughs> so, right. So I don't know that he was. And I don't. His utilization was really wild. And and that's the one thing. Funny thing about if you watch enough Iowa games with with um, uh, Fran McCaffrey, the minutes is just very strange. I you know I think we get kind of used to a sort of a uh, a flow with with Izzo. You know, there maybe it changes for a few minutes here and there for some, but deeper in the rotation. But with Iowa, it can be very, very random. I mean, you can easily go, and not even yeah. dictated by fouls or even matchups. Or it just seems like there's some games where for whatever reason somebody just doesn't play hardly at all. And I felt like Ulysses was that way sometimes where you'd play an entire half and then sometimes you play like five minutes and a half. It's just very strange. And I don't know if that just bothered him. I don't know. Well, I, I still think Iowa's got the makings of a decent backcourt. Um, you know, Perkins obviously has, has played well at times. Uh, over his first three years at Iowa, we, we saw Peyton Sanford, you know, get off the mat after a terrible start mm-hmm. to his sophomore season yep. and, and s- sort of find himself again as a, as kind of a stereotypical Iowa six, six shooter. Um, Bowen was a freshman last year, I believe he's a disaster. Uh, he's oh, no, be- he's a, I'm sorry, he, but he, he plays, he plays some at the point that Josh Dix forced his way into the rotation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now the younger Sanford who comes in was their only top 100 recruit. Um, and he does have a very good reputation. So I would think he'd add shooting as well to me though, this roster. And, and again, I'm not certain what else they're likely to add, but I'd be shocked if they don't add another guard who's capable of running the offense. I mean, Connor McCaffrey did a lot of that, right? Yeah. And so did Aaron Euless. Yeah. So that's two guys gone. You don't have an obvious fit. I mean, they're, they're freshmen other than Sanford, who's more of a wing. Dembele and Freeman are both big kids. So they're not going to do it. Um, but I, I would think they'd look to add at least one more perimeter guy, preferably someone who's point guard capable. Right, Right now, I mean, the point guard options would seem to me to be Perkins and Bowen and Perkins is pretty good, but I don't know that you want to force him to exclusively be your initiator I, on offense because so yeah. he's a pretty good scorer, right? Yeah. Oh, I think he's probably so better as want, a two guard than he is as a one really. Right. Yeah. You want him off the ball. So I, I feel like Iowa's backcourt is still in to be determined uh, a spot getting Patrick McCaffrey back. If he's healthy remains that way, that's a big plus. Cause he's obviously a very talented kid, but again, man, I, it feels like there are a couple bodies short. Yeah. Uh, Cricky, the Valpo transfer is a center. Yeah, He's going to be, and he was very helpful. productive, very productive at Valpo. Does he translate at, in the same way that Rebracha did? That remains to be seen. I don't think he's 35 the way Rebracha was, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it feels to me like I was not done yet. But but right now, looking at that roster, this to me does not seem like an obvious tournament team. No, I at the moment I think this is this team is worse, and I and I, and I will I will boldly say this, which I think they'll be significantly worse defensively than they were last year. Wow, wow, that that I don't know if that's possible, really. <laughs> well, I, that was the third worst defensive team of France Iowa career. Yeah, I know. I mean, I. I guess so this is maybe the worst. Yeah, I think it could easily be. Yeah, they I, not seeing the new players, of course, but yeah, their their best, their most, their best defenders are no longer on the team. 
uh, yeah. which is, you know, Murray basically. And, uh, and Robracho is pretty good too. It's worth noting that, you know, they had that team with, um, with a Garza and, and all those guys that was experienced yeah. and blah, blah, blah. It was, you know, greatest Iowa team in history, all that nonsense. But then the last two years, they really got saved by the Murray twins. Absolutely. Being much, 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 much vastly better than anyone could have reasonably anticipated when they were recruited. So that really kept them afloat and kept them a tournament team for two more years running. Um, is this the year that their luck runs out? I, I think it's possible, but I also think they're probably not done yet. Yeah, that's possible. I, I think the one thing that the Murray twins really helped with Iowa was they really added a level of athleticism that they had not had. And without those guys, they're, I mean, very pedestrian sort of from athletic standpoint, which I think could make up for yeah. some problems defensively, you know, at least if you're out of position yeah. and not caring so much, now you're going to be, I think, really in trouble. So we'll see. I guess you never know until you see the product on the floor. Uh, move on to the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, they had a big return when Jameer Young announced that he's coming back. Also, Dante Scott, Julian Reese, Ian Martinez, Noah Bachelor, Jahari Long, uh, Caleb Swanton Roger. Uh, the departures are Don Carey, Patrick Emilian, Hakeem Hart, Ike Cornish, and Arnaud Rivaz. Uh, they added Deshaun Harris Smith, uh, Jamie Kaiser, Jahithan Lamonte, and Braden Pierce as uh, high school freshmen. This is a team that's, you know, we've been talking about some teams here a few minutes uh, for the last few minutes that maybe seem like they're heading in the wrong direction. This is a team that on paper at least seems to be heading in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Now there's some losses, you know, Hakeem Hart is in the portal. That was a disappointment because he could have come back, mm -hmm. but this things have gone well for them with the regard to the portal getting Jameer Young and Dante Scott back is huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. Um, they also have Julian Reese still back. That's a hell of a threesome to start with. I mean, Jameer Young, arguably, and I, most people have him rated as a better point guard than having had a better season than AJ Hogarth had last year. I'm still not sure I would trade them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's at Michigan state. It's hard to, They're different too. you know, they play differently yeah. and the systems are different, but Jameer Young's a very, very good player. There's no doubt about that. Dante Scott is just a guy I've really liked over his career. And I still think he's a hell of a player. And Reese really made strides last year as a sophomore big. Now the, the $64,000 question is, are they going to actually add somebody else in the portal? Because right now it's just been about retaining their guys. And there's a guy out there named Hunter Dickinson who, who just did a visit to Maryland over the weekend. <laughs> He's from Washington, D.C. He also visited Georgetown. Well, we'll talk about him in a little more detail when we get to Michigan. But um, Maryland is in the mix on that one. They hired his former high school coach, DeMatha, um, on the Maryland staff just a couple weeks ago. Mike Scott is the guy's name. And so you would think that gives them a shot. He was also, by the way, high school teammates with Jameer Young. So uh, what's interesting is when, when that was all first announced, when it announced they made that hire on the coaching staff, I thought, well, that's it. Maryland is the favorite to get Dickinson. Right. And then Reese. But, but then Dante Scott came back. And so it's hard. To, you know, Right now, Dante Scott has got to play the four. 
and Julian Reese as your five. I thought maybe if Scott didn't come back, they could maybe move Reese to the four and have Dickinson as the five and that it could work. But right now it's, you're basically, if Dickinson comes, you have to tell one of Reese or Scott that they're coming off the bench. Now, maybe that works, but it, I'm, I'm less bullish on Maryland than I was before. Yeah, hard to believe. Uh, when we get to Michigan, I'll tell you where I think Dickinson's going to end up, but I would not bet on Maryland right now, but you know what, from, and if I'm, if I'm looking at it from the Maryland point of view, I would probably rather have Reese and Scott as my four and five. For sure. Because defensively, they're going to be better. So it's a, it's a, it's a nice combination here. I mean, three starters back, Jan, Scott, and Reese. Ian Martinez was an increasingly effective player off their bench last year, so he can play on the wing. Um, and then guys like Bachelor and Long were, you know, deeper reserves, but they contributed a little bit. Who knows? Maybe they developed. The other thing that's exciting here, if you're Maryland, is the recruiting class. So they added three guys. Um, Deshaun Harris Smith is a six, four combo guard who is a top 50 recruit. So a big time player from Virginia, they expect he'll be able to help immediately. Jamie Kaiser, six, six wing, just rated just slightly worse, maybe just outside the top 50, but again, six, six wing should be able to help immediately. And then Jonathan Lamate is another wing at six, four from, from Baltimore. So he's a hometown guy. And then the one guy who's kind of out of the mix, like not a top one fifty guy is Braden Pierce. Um, who is a seven footer from IMG Academy and you know, how he turns out remains to be seen, but if you're going to take chances, it's not <laughs> a bad idea to take them with size. So I, I like what Maryland's got here. I would suspect that they're not quite done. So that's seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Yeah. They've still got room to potentially add another guy or two. And it wouldn't surprise me to see them do that. You know, maybe one more front court player just for a little more depth, one more guy. Uh, but this, ha this has a look of a team that could be improved to me. And they were pretty good last year. Let's be honest. They yeah. kind of had a roller coaster ride. But, um, but by the end of the year, I think you had to look at Kevin Willard's first season as a success. And I think there's every reason to think that they can be on the upswing. They should be deeper and they should be more talented overall. Um, how that all turns out in, in the final equation remains to be seen. But right now I would, I would be inclined to think they're going to be an upper tier team in the league. They just have to figure out how to win off their home floor in the Big Ten, and they'll be all set. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so a couple of teasers there for Michigan. Before we go to Michigan, I do want to remind you, if you want to support our show, a great way to do it is to support those who sponsor our show. And our longest supporter uh, sponsor is Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing is run by Gabe and Brittany. They're Michigan State alums. They were instrumental in helping with the Spartan Strong Project, which raised over one hundred fifty-five thousand uh, dollars just through their printing. Also, I think it was like fifth was it fifteen thousand shirts they printed or something like that, uh, at least uh, to help with that effort. They prevent they print our stuff, and so if you want to get a hoodie or t-shirt, you can go to our website and go to uh, finalforceontheschedule.com slash merchandise, and you can get a link to our t-shirt or hoodie. And that all that money there, those proceeds just go to us. Uh, but you can also link through there, link to all the rest of their collection, which is all kinds of high quality 
screen printed shirts and t-shirts and hoodies, uh, which is, which are great. They're super wearable. They're very soft and comfortable. I used mine shooting my free throws at the Breslin center to win a trip for two to the final four. You can do it for even less exciting things than that, but definitely wearing around the house or going to tailgates or things like that. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Again, extremely well-rated. You get 20% off as a listener to the show by typing in Final Four, just one word, into the coupon code at checkout. So definitely check out Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. And again, Final Four at the checkout for 20% off. All right, well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, just a reminder again, check out Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. 20% off all your gear there if you type in Final Four at the coupon code. Also, if you need to go to work, get out Kurt and his team uh, get a hold of them if you're on the west side of the state. You can, again, Final Four is get you 10% off your gutter work for cleaning, repair, and replacement at Brothers That Just Do Gutters. And um, you know we'll keep we'll keep the news coming as it we'll keep reporting on stuff as it comes out. We'll have some interviews lined up this summer, and we'll try and work on some more to kind of keep you guys in in tune as we get our way through because there's boy, it's not much to watch at, as far as the Tigers goes this season, I think, unfortunately. So uh, until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green.